0: Bobby and I are super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Express your style and build a look that's made for you. I love the look and comfort of my new Oakley glasses. The lenses are like nothing I've ever experienced with their prism lens technology. These lenses protect my sun sensitive blue eyes, but somehow also make colors even more vibrant and details even more clear. And let me tell you, Oakleys, they are popular in my household as both my sons argue over who gets to borrow my glasses. They both play outdoor sports and they know Oakley is the best for training. Plus, I think they want to look a little bit like Lamar Jackson, who is also sponsored by Oakley. Now, my personal favorite pair is from the HSTN collection. I've literally been wearing mine every day since I got them. So let me tell you what you should do. Head on over to oakley.com right now and get yourself a pair of glasses that will change your look for the better. But don't just trust me, try them for yourself. Go to oakley.com for more information today.
1: Well, welcome into the vault and happy July 4th week to you and yours. I'm Bobby Trossett, joined as always by my co-host, Sarah Ellison. And partner, we know that this is a dark week traditionally in the terms of, you know, NFL content, Ravens content at large, but we wanted to bring on a special guest this week because, gosh, we use him and his content and his tweets enough. We might as well pay it forward here and bring him on the platform, right?
0: I always used to do it when I wrote Late for Work, and now that I have a podcast... I mean, how do you how do you talk Ravens football without Jeff's Rebex without mentioning him? He's got all the news.
1: You can't. And, uh, and like you said, the Athletics, Jeff Zarebek joins us as our featured guest. And gosh, he's had a, a busy offseason because he's had a busy last 11 months or so. He brought in a second baby to the picture. So we want to catch up with him on Ravens, but also, uh, you know, just life off the field as well. Away from the, the journalistic types of uh, commitments that he has for the Athletics. So without further ado, we bring in Jeff. How are you, man? Good, guys. How are you? Thanks for the kind words. Absolutely. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's funny. Like we, we talk about this all the time, you know, it it was a very unusual off season, at least the first half of the off season. And I know for Sarah and I, it's been kind of an R and R last few weeks, you know, and just getting ready for training camp and stuff. Have you had a chance to kind of step away a little bit after the, you know, the intensity of the first half?
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I try to do some stuff, uh, still write and keep the website going, Uh, so it doesn't go dark or Ravens content and all that, but you know, you recognize that this is the time most executives around the league take time off and you want to be respectful of them and not be blowing them up while they're on vacation with their families. And, uh, you know, players are going to be dealing with us for six, seven months now. You don't want to kind of interrupt. So yeah, this is, and plus you personally, you need kind of a, a time to step away. So, uh, yeah, this is a uh you know, this is a good time you, you can kind of recollect your thoughts, get ready for the long season, um, and kind of reflect and um yeah, it was so much with the Lamar contract negotiations and, and and kind of the up and down of that and uh, losing a couple free agents early and you know, the offensive coordinator change early and uh, yeah, it you know, the, the, there was a couple months of the offseason where it was going pretty uh, you know, hot and heavy and Um, what's the Lamar thing contract got done, you know, on the eve of the draft that sort of loosened everything up where post draft, you can kind of take a break a little bit.
0: So Jeff coming out just kind of like, yeah, big picture with, as you said, we've, we've wrapped up most of the contract situations and the, the team is mostly set. There's still going to be some tinkering, you know, Bobby and I aren't at OTAs. We aren't at mandatory minicamp. Obviously there's no hitting, there's no real pads. A lot of the guys don't participate, but, how would you kind of just big picture after what you've seen? Kind of got to look at everything. Uh, what what would you describe as like the state of the Ravens coming out of that?
2: Yeah, you know, first of all, I think they're in, they're in a good shape with their roster. I, I, I do. I, I you know, they're pretty deep in areas. There's are some areas where they could use um some more depth, but you see it, it's a good mix of uh you know veterans who have proven it and you know young players trying to carve out a role and and then highly uh you know you know a, a rookie class that that wants to make an impact. So uh I, I like the roster mix. I, I think they do have more work to do. I fully expect them to make some moves. I mean I was looking back at it yesterday uh the other day and you know, they added five or six veterans either late before training camp or in the first couple of weeks of training camp. Now, a couple of them didn't do anything, you know, like Corey Clement, the running back, he was cut, I think, three weeks later. And they signed linebacker Trent Harris, who – uh, got hurt in his first practice, so he was gone. But, you know, you signed Justin Houston, I believe it was the first week of August last year, and, and, you know, they added Darryl Worley, who turned out to help them later in the season, early in the, you know, early in training camp. So they do this. they They firmly believe that, you know, kind of the quest to, to upgrade the roster is a year-round thing with no deadlines. And uh, they're still out there looking. I would still suspect we'll see a couple more players adding. The other thing, Sarah, in answer to that question, which I don't know that, you know, I grasped, grasped as much you know, they're in, they're in good shape. And, you know, everyone wants to knock on wood here, understandably so, but they're in good shape health wise. I mean, you can't forget last year at this time, we had no idea when JK Dobbins was going to be on the field, when Gus Edwards was going to be on the field, when Marcus Peters was going to be on the field, when David Ajabo was going to make his debut, when Tyus Bowser was going to be on the field, I'm missing a couple too, Ronnie Stanley, uh, you know, so Um, There's one or two health question marks. And look, all teams are going to sustain injuries in training camp. You know, it happens. It's not just the Ravens. But uh, I think given the certainty of what they have in the roster picture, um, it really helps when you don't have health questions hanging over so many players uh, heading into the season. You know, the first day of training camp, Um, in late July, it should be a good bit of their team out there on the field. And I I think that'll definitely sit real well with, uh, you know, head coach John Harbaugh. What
1: do you think about some of the uncertainty at, at outside linebacker? I mean, you just mentioned a bunch of names there, right? Do you get the sense that maybe the coaching staff wants to see what they have at that position for a few weeks into camp before making a potential decision on a guy like Justin Houston, who's familiar with the system?
2: I, I think that's part of it, Bobby. I definitely do. I, I mean, they want to see these guys get reps and see how they developed in the offseason. This is, you know, like for all intents and purposes, David Ajabo is a rookie. You know, he barely played last year. And even when he did, that wasn't the David Ajabo. You know, he's still getting a feel for the playbook and his health. Um, and, you know, I don't know that anybody – improved his stock from an outside perspective than him in the various OTAs and workouts. You know, you try not to make conclusions of uh, pass rushers without, you know, pads and in shorts, but he definitely looks the part. Um, So I think they like what they have. But I also think a lot of those veterans on their pass rush market – Or fine waiting, you know. There's a bunch of them out there, you know. Whether it's Clowney or Justin Houston, a couple had just signed. Uh, I mean, Melvin Ingram's still out there. Kyle Van Noy's still out there. There's others too, Um, you, you know, and. Pierre Paul. So uh, I think a lot of these guys are comfortable. Some of them may not want to go through all of training camp. I mean, we see that with some vets. Other guys are just kind of, they know there's going to be an offer to out there. It may not be what they want financially. So they're willing to wait a little closer to training camp to see if another team, you know, has a need. Uh, but, uh, you know, they definitely, I would be surprised if they don't bring in another vet pass rusher in here, um, whether it's not before camp uh sometime uh you know shortly thereafter i think they know that that would be a nice piece to add but the cupboard isn't bare as you mentioned you still have bowser and you have the three young guys uh ajabu Owe and uh the rookie robinson
0: so while we're talking about moves we'll we'll get into more some of the the camp takeaways and whatever but while we're talking about moves we had um ian Rappaport on our show uh recently and you know we had asked about Marcus Peters because when we had him on, there was news that Marcus could be signing with the Raiders. I think from from the Athletic there was news there that, that he could. Um, and so we had asked about you know could Marcus Peters still come to the Ravens? You know is that a possibility? And he said, well Marcus Peters' money went to Rocky Sin. and that's that's where that money went. Now could he come back for for less money? Sure. But my question to you is whether he still comes here or not, the Ravens clearly prioritized Rocky sin. Why do you think the Ravens chose rock over MP?
2: Yeah. You know, um, I've tried it carefully a little bit with this question. Cause I don't want to come out like, um, disparaging Marcus Peters in, in any way, shape or form last year was just a struggle, uh, Sarah for team and him, you know, he wasn't healthy, obviously. Um, didn't play particularly well. Uh, I think Marcus Peters would be the first to say it. And, you know, I think things boiled over a little bit. You know, the Ravens love the edge that he plays with. They respect him as a person player. But sometimes when he's struggling, that can make things difficult, right? I, I mean, and, and I'm not even just talking about a tolerance, you know, thing. Obviously, you take more from a player who's producing on the field. Like you, you get longer leash if you're playing well. I just think at times it, it, the whole thing frustrated Marcus Peters. He wasn't playing like himself. And, um, y- you know, that led to a couple, uh, you know, as I said, I don't want to say blow ups because I think that would probably be exaggerating it. But, you know, th- th- there were just, it, it was just difficult at times, uh, you know, for him and the team. And, and I, you know, I, I went into the off season after a while from what I heard thinking, you know, both sides are probably ready for, for a new, you know, a new challenge. But that doesn't really mean that they close the door on each other. You know, I, I, I think uh, I wasn't ready to rule it out. You know, I talked to people, decision makers who weren't ready to rule it out. It just wasn't a front burner issue. He wasn't kind of on the top of their list of guys they wanted to resign. I think they wanted to get a little younger uh, at that spot. And, and and they did that in Rakian and. You know, we'll see, you know, as I said, as you said, Victor Four of the, you know, one of our uh, Vegas uh, beat guys is saying he expects them to, uh, you know, uh, sign Marcus before training camp. We'll see if that happens. Uh, you know, uh, it, it certainly makes sense, um, but I think the Ravens were just kind of ready from a personality and a, a, you know, from personality standpoint and age standpoint to kind of, you know, go in a little different direction there. Um but again, uh, there's a lot of people who have an awful lot of respect for Marcus Peters in that building, which is why I've never, you know, closed the door totally uh, on, a,
1: on a reunion. And judging by some of his actions, Jeff, on social media, it seems like he would yeah. welcome. I, mean, I don't want to read into it yeah. too much, right? But like Lamar put up that post, I think it was either during OTAs or minicamp. And, you know, he said, miss my guys with like a sad emoji. We know that he's talked endlessly about like how Baltimore has reinvigorated his love for football, his love for the game. He did that incredible piece opened up, which, you know, as a, as a media member who has to ask the questions every single week, you know, that first of all, he, he declined, I believe he declined to meet with any media for any exit interview last year. And we know that he doesn't exactly enjoy that process. So for him to do something with the ringer last year, that paraphrasing confronted his, his football immortality uh, to me was, it was vulnerable. It was telling, and so I guess this is a long way to ask. Do you think this is more about a, an organizational decision? Because his actions say that he would welcome an opportunity to come back.
2: Yeah, I do. I think it's more of the organizational, you know, you know. And 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 again, as I, say, I want to say, I don't want to be clear. I don't even know that it's a final decision. I, I just think the decision was made to go in a different direction as of now. Without you know, completely ruling out Marcus Peters. I, I don't think it was a money thing. The sense I, I, I got all along was they felt like they could get him back at a reasonable deal that would work for both sides. And, and the same goes for another, you know, veteran corner they had last year, Kyle Fuller. I wouldn't close the door on that happening either, although he's a little in a different case because he's rehabbing a, an ACL. Um, yeah, we didn't talk to Marcus Peters all last year just didn't didn't have any interest in talking and that that's his prerogative uh, prerogative um but he is an incredibly interesting guy i always go back to when they got him in a trade um i reached out to eric Weddle, who i'd gotten to know in baltimore and i said okay what what am i in for here because you know the stories of marcus's volatility were well documented And Eric Weddle flat out said he's one of the best guys I've ever played with. And um, that said a lot, I I thought, and it proved it. I I mean, he, you know, from a teammate standpoint, they absolutely loved him. You know, and even when he wasn't healthy last year, seeing him coach on the sideline and ride opponents and get into refs and yell out plays – He's an impressive guy. I mean, he's a mercurial guy. He's volatile. You don't know what you're going to get some days from him, Um, you know, and that's, you know, on the field too with his play. So, um, you know, I I don't necessarily, I don't want to, again, I want to be clear. I don't want to make like things went totally bad last year. I just think he was a guy who couldn't really play like he's used to playing um, because of, uh, you know, he wasn't, 100% 100% healthy. You know, he was working back from a major injury and then he got more banged up during the course of the season. Um, so I don't think there's burned bridges there, one iota. Um, I just think they made the decision to kind of go a little, uh, you know, go to younger, go for a little new, go for a different guy. And I I also think, guys, I mean, if he comes back now, I don't necessarily know he's a 100% snap guy, right? Uh, I mean, you know, you're going to want to play Kyle Hamilton in the nickel at times and slot. And you paid Rocky Asin, and obviously still have Marlon Humphrey there. And there may be times you want to get younger guys like, you know, Armored Davis and, and Pepe Williams and Trevon Mullen and Blue Kelly. You may want to get them looks. So would that sit well with Marcus Peters if he's not a 100% snap guy? Would he be useful in that role? I think that's another one of the questions that, they'd pro- that they've probably discussed at length. But I did see that post uh, from him and just a guy who fit really well in Baltimore. Um, completely changed the defense when they got him, when they traded him. Never forget that Seattle game when he took one of the house what, four or five days after he was acquired. I was on the field when him and Jalen Ramsey went after, got into it, and I was probably five yards away when they were interesting guy, man. I, I, I mean, I, you know, I really respected him and, and there's an edge there, but he's a very interesting guy. That's for sure.
0: In a way, Jeff, we'll, we'll change gears here. But in a way, the way you describe his personality reminded me of Ed Reed, mm-hmm. where it was like you never knew what you were gonna get with him, and Harper yeah. would say, you know, when the hood is on, you leave Ed alone, and when the hood is <laughs> off, you know it's good to approach him. And and uh, but and so while that's a tough personality sometimes to deal with, the, the hoodie, you know, version, you love him. So I get what you're saying that like bridges aren't burnt, you love uh-huh. them, but sometimes it's just difficult to manage i guess
2: yeah and, and and you know it's funny sarah he's a savant like ed reed too in terms of yeah. studying and knowing what routes are coming and gambling and i mean it's not you know it, it there's there's definitely a lot of similarity a lot of similarities there ed would speak to us though at times uh marcus yeah. peters spoke very uh, infrequently to the media
0: Well, changing gears, I've been wanting to ask you about this. You had wrote this uh, column uh, in the middle of one of the OTAs. And um, so I'll just kind of get the quote here. It said, you said, forget about position competitions, the progress of the rookies or the form of Odell Beckham Jr. There's no bigger story to monitor this summer than the relationship between Lamar Jackson and Todd Munkin. Um, So I was wondering if you could dig a little bit more into that statement, why that's so important. And then, we're kind of midway through the summer before training camp starts how would you say their relationship is going and and then further explain why that's so important
2: yeah i mean munkin is just different he has a different personality than what we've seen here in recent years now i can't speak for how lamar was coached at, at louisville um i've talked to a couple you know of former coaches there but not being there to see the on-field dynamic makes it different, and and I just think first of all the relationship between play caller and quarterback is, is one of the most important relationships in the entire organization. You know, it's right up there. Um, you know, so that as it is, a new play caller comes in, just the second one in in, in Lamar's career, so that's going to be really important. Then you get the personality and and Todd Munkins sprinting down the field in, in OTAs and he's getting on players and he's correcting them. My most minute things, really high energy, really up-tempo, uh, cracks jokes all the time. I mean, I, you know, the disappointing thing about Greg Roman, I think is, uh, we never really got the chance to see his personality. He was so guarded when the media was around, and I've heard a lot of good things about his personality. He's a really interesting, smart guy, but I think he kind of was very guarded and we never really got that, you know, we never really got that phaser, or that side of him. Uh, but it, it, it is, it, it's obvious that there's certainly a contrast between, you know, the, the two personalities between Munkin and Roman. And, and, you know, I think it looks good so far. I, I mean, all the players, Seem to be buying in um, and and liking you know. Look, Todd Munkin said the right things about handing the keys to this offense to to Lamar Jackson, giving him more freedom at the line of scrimmage, passing more, uh, being more balanced. Um, you know, they've obviously you know made the investment at the position and receiver. So uh, I would think Lamar likes all those things. So uh, that that's a good start. Um, but, you know, you get in these dog days of training camp and, you know, I'm interested to see, you know, when Monken, does Munken get on Lamar a lot? I never really, yeah. I'm sure some of that stuff goes on behind the scenes and like, um, you know, in, in, uh, you know, the position rooms and in team meetings and stuff. But I, I, you know, I've, I've covered just about every practice of Lamar Jackson's career, every training camp practice of Lamar's career and I, I don't remember too many times where coaches got on him too much, and that, and that that just really wasn't Roman style, and 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 James Urban really didn't you know as his quarterback really didn't do that out front of people. So I just think that's going to be interesting how that whole dynamic. Uh, is going to work and, and how they get to know each other and learn each other. I, I think that could be fascinating, but, but I, you know, being around Todd Munkin for a couple of weeks, I think his relationship with everybody is going to be fascinating. I does not look like, a, or does not look or sound like a guy who suffers fools very enthusiastically um, gets on players, very uh, energetic, detail oriented. I think there's going to be, I think that's going to lead to some fun in training camp.
1: The vault is sponsored by Oakley. Express your style and build a look that's made for you. And I know for me, I've been rocking the prism black polarized lenses this summer, and I'm loving them so far. Oakley's changing the game, and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run? Do you golf? Maybe you train, or perhaps you just want to look like Lamar Action Jackson. If any of the above is true, you got to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses allowing for an extension of self. Really, it's an expression of your personality. There's more than meets the eye. And here on The Vault, we're all about look good, feel good, perform good. And that's why Oakley is the perfect partner for us. And hey, since it's officially summer, you may want to upgrade your sunglasses game right now. So go visit oakley.com to find yourself a pair today. Oakley offers prism lens technology, which is a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. If you're interested in learning more, head on over to oakley.com and do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. But don't just trust Sarah and I. Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglasses brands in my life, and I can confidently say that Oakley's not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. So head on over to oakley.com for more information today. from the outside looking in it's kind of felt like a boot camp you know the the greg roman leniency or you know to your point we don't we don't even know right because when when media and especially you know when i was there working in radio i kind of felt the same way like it was this i don't want to say like this this passive nature but it just seemed like as if he was like you said guarded and then i just listened to him the other day he kind of broke his silence if you will on the 33rd team yeah and and it felt the same way like it kind of it, it was like all right well what's really behind yeah, that, that yeah. wall. You know what yeah. I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's a shame
2: sometimes. I think some, I think sometimes it takes young coaches a while to kind of establish their personality, get comfortable with the media, but I wouldn't put him in that case because he's been doing it for a while. I think other coaches just choose to kind of guard their personality. Don't want to say very much, um, you know, but it was always so striking when you'd go from Greg Roman to Wink Martindale, <laughs> with how the two handled the uh, the media, and then like Greg Roman would say some things that you know you, that that were pretty funny, but it just he just never really you know uh, everything was really guarded and didn't want to say he didn't want to say a lot, and and there wasn't a whole lot of give and take with the media, Um, you know, and I, you know I think look I think we're seeing it from from Mike McDonald now too, right? I, I mean. Last oh, year, yeah. I very guarded, close to the vest. And already, I think, a couple times we've talked to him this offseason, he's more comfortable. I think that's that's a natural process that young coaches go through.
0: So, Jeff, how do you feel like um, with Todd Munkin coming in, there's a lot more um, – we've heard that it's all about faster pace. As we've said, Lamar's getting the keys. He's going to make more calls at the line of scrimmage. Now – Fans that don't know Lamar as well, and they've just seen him in the Greg Roman system, you know, if you're if you're watching from afar, you're like, oh, is Lamar capable of all this? Do you know him further back, you know, the Louisville days? He wasn't in the offense that the Ravens had designed with Greg Roman. How do you think he's going to do under this new style of offense?
2: Well, yeah, you know, I think when we talk about when Lamar's been at its best, excuse me, his best over the years, I, I mean – it's hard not to remember that Colts comeback where they were just in two minute and just going up and down the field. I mean, we've seen how good Lamar can be in those situations where they're moving up tempo and, and they're playing faster and, and no huddling and he's improvising on the field. Uh, so I think the signs of that uh, are, are good that he's going to be, you know, he's going to do really well in that situation, but there's no question. I mean, this is going to have to, you know, Lamar's going to have to, you know, I don't want to say make changes, but he's definitely going to make sure he has a, a, a good handle on this. And I think there's going to be some days guys where we're going to exit train camp practice and be like, wow, that, that was ugly. You know, that was defense picked off four or five balls and are running up and down the field, chest bump in. And the story is going to be, is there, should there be concern about the offense? Well, no, it's going to take a while. I think we're going to always have to remember that this is an entirely different offense. Um, But yeah, I I think, you know, in some circles, Todd Munkin's arrival is going to be heralded as this, finally, the Ravens are opening up their offense and they're going to pass and it's going to be more high-flying. And I think there'll be some of that, uh, no question. But um, I think the bigger thing for John Harbaugh is marrying a, a productive passing game with a really good run game. I don't think this is about being this freewheeling offense where they're whipping it all around the field. And this is the Kansas city chiefs, you know, like uh, I think Todd Munkins here to add balance to their offense, you you know, to, you know, mold that passing game, where if the running game is not successful, the passing game can also beat you. And they're getting more easy plays down the field and more chunk plays. So, um, you, you know, and, and I think that's perfect. I, we, You know, you can't forget that this team is still very well built to run the ball. I'm not saying that's all they're built to do. I want to be clear on that, but – uh, defensive coordinators stay up at night thinking about the ball being in Lamar Jackson's hands and running it. And I'm not. I don't. Th- I think it would be crazy to completely get away from that. You have a, a, a you have a one two running back punch that you believe if they're healthy is one of the best in the league. You have. Some very uh, a few very good run blockers on that offensive line. So I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think you can get away. You can go away far from this running game either. I think the key Will for Munkin will be kind of balancing all the, what he wants to do and the new wrinkles and the up tempo and being able to change pace and 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 kind of above all guys. Uh, and it's I it's amazing how many times we've seen him do two minute even in OTAs in the mini camp, they need to be better in, in, in that scenario. And they, they also did a ton of red zone, they need to be better in the red zone because yeah. we haven't seen too many teams completely stop them. What we've seen is a lot of them stop themselves a lot in the red zone and not be able to finish drives or two point conversions or that kind of thing. And so I think those will all be focuses uh, the, and, you know, I, I think it's, it's it'll be a very good offense for Lamar Jackson to succeed in when we kind of see the final picture. But uh, grading it early will probably be foolish because they've got a ways to go here.
1: Speaking of grading, it seems like a lot of folks are trying to do, you know, the early grades on what Odell will be, you know, coming off a season that was lost in the aftermath of of his torn ACL. You know, you listen to some former players, as I did on ESPN a couple weeks ago. They don't think he's going to be a high-volume guy at this point in his career. We then have Ian Rappaport on the, on the show, and he's just like, oh, everything I'm hearing, he's going to have a tear of a year. He's going to have, a, you know, a comeback, prove it year, and, and more, you know. What, what do you think? I mean, it's it's really early on. You've seen him a little bit. He and Lamar are going to get together over the next month or so, according to him, based on what he said at mandatory minicamp. So what are you seeing? What are you hearing?
2: I, I think he looks good. Um, you know, he didn't do a ton in the various, um, you know, practices, but he was out there. I think his workload increased as as John Harbaugh said so they were ramping him up. Uh, but he looks comfortable. He doesn't look limited at all. He looks getting in and out of breaks. Well, um, I love some of the periphery periphery stuff. I, I see from him. Look, there's an aura about Odell Beckham jr. Right. I, I mean, you could just still see how he carries himself and, and you know, like what it? I, they, they send that NFLPA, I guess it is sends that Jersey sales thing. And, you know, a couple of weeks in or a month in, they did the top 10 jersey sales and he was already ranked there. And, you know, the guy didn't even play last year. Like this guy's different, you know, how he's perceived and, and around the league and by teammates and, and just watching him work at, you know, go through, you know, like the cool thing at, at one of the mini camp or the, Oh yeah. The mandatory mini camp, like he warmed up with Marlon Humphrey and they were just exchanging notes. And, and I mean, Forget the fact that they almost got in a brawl on the field, or I don't know if that was almost—that was pretty much there. But <laughs> yes. it, yeah, but it's just cool to see two veterans working on their craft, you know. And and another time he was talking to Justin Tucker, and I just said to one of the reporters next to me, "Man, would I love to be listening to that conversation? Just two really interesting guys." And then another time he was talking to you know Sala, the rookie, ta- the rookie guard from Oregon. It's just he's very interesting. He kind of floats from crowd the crowd and uh there's an aura about him and and, um that impressed me we really haven't gotten a chance to see him on the field a ton but what i saw he looked good but honestly bobby i I, I think um i don't see him being a high volume guy and i don't think you know people are gonna say look they paid him 15 million they he has to be well no that that's you know that offseason um yeah, they needed some momentum and the whole off season, you guys asked me that before the whole off season changed. What was that on Easter night? Right. When they signed Odell Beckham, the whole tenor of their off season changed completely after that. Right. And, yeah. and um, yeah. they built some momentum and that kind of carried over throughout the off season. I mean, at that point, we were kind of calling it one of the worst off seasons of Ravens history. Right. And, and then all of a sudden they signed Odell Beckham and, and things sort of starts to change. And I think that was important to changing the trend there. Um, I think his leadership is important. I think his addition was important, getting Lamar Jackson's attention. So I think, and he's going to sell tickets. He's going to sell jerseys. So no, I don't think you have to get 15 million of production out of him because there's other things he brings. But uh, I think the where I look to Odell Beckham is in the moments where you have to have it. The big games, the red zone, you need a play on third down, you're struggling. If he makes his share of those plays, you'll be just fine paying them what you're paying them, But um, there are a lot of mouths to feed in this offense. I think you want to make sure uh, Bateman's getting his balls. Um, you know, Duvernay's not a forgotten man on offense. Aguilar was very impressive in training camp or excuse me, in the, in the mini camps, uh, you know, Mark Andrews is, is, is top tight at one of the top tight ends in football. Isaiah likely looks great. So no, I don't necessarily know if I see anybody other than maybe Andrews is a high volume guy. Uh, but I think in terms of go-to guys in the clutch, when you really need him, uh, I think if, if he's healthy, he can be that guy. I mean, we've seen it over and over again. He just has the ability to rise to the occasion and make big plays and big games and at big moments.
0: Jeff, you just reminded me, because before, you're exactly right. The way you brought that up just put me back in that space of, of Easter weekend. Prior to that, everybody was talking about Eric DaCosta's legacy as a GM. And it was like, if he lets Lamar Jackson go, not signing him, yeah. you know, he's been asked to be traded by other players, you know, all talking about almost like a doom and gloom reputation as a GM. But now that we know what what happened and that he was able to bring Lamar in, using Odell Beckham Jr. as you know a carrot partly you know I'm sure obviously there's other there's other factors definitely um but he was able to sign him in a time that Deshaun Watson blew up the try to blow up the market right that whole deal and so I hope that Eric DeCosta. I mean we'll see what this roster does this season but I hope that we give him the credit almost an equal force that he would have been slammed if he had dropped the ball with Lamar
2: No, yeah, no question. I mean, um, you know, I'd have to go back and look to put in perspective, but I'd be hard pressed to find a harder negotiation for any GM. Uh, You know, when you look at the various factors um, you said it, what Watson's contract did to the market, um, Lamar representing himself, uh, some of what went into that trade dead, uh, excuse me, trade requests while they're at the combine, um, you know, they were interested in veteran quarterbacks, this free agency um, couple, you know, like Brissett and um, Baker Mayfield. And, you know, those guys weren't going to, you know, they weren't going to come not knowing they didn't have a ch- if they had a chance to, to start and, and their chance to start lied with Lamar Jackson playing somewhere else. So that created, you know, when you're trying to build out a quarterback room and that created some issues, it, it, you know, you know and and not to mention he's in Baltimore with the negativity going crazy, and you have national people weighing in and and accusing them of certain stuff and you know it it, it it had to be I've tried to get him to talk and he don't want he doesn't want to really address that with you know we all heard the Celtic story about when Lamar finally kind of came around, but i I, I imagine there there were some sleepless nights there where he was at wits end Oof. with it and, and Um, you know, he, he came, you know, they, they figured it out. They, they were the Ravens with that. They stayed patient. They believed that when the chips were down, Lamar Jackson was going to realize that nobody loved him more than the Ravens loved him. Right. And, and, and I think that's what happened towards the end of the situation. Uh, but I didn't know, I I thought at points it would get to there, but there are days where I'm like, Yo, look, this guy's gone. I mean, this is just too far off the reserve. You know, even at I was at the, uh, what was it? Was it the owner's meetings when his, he put a trade request out right when John Harb was about to yeah. sit down? Um, I was at that um, thing. And I think I wrote one of the days that, you know, they should look into trading. They should look into trading him at this point. It's just gone too far. And, you know, and then to turn around and and find a deal that worked for both sides, Um, And and then to kind of use that in a springboard, you you, you look at what they've done this offseason. Yeah, I I mean, you know, we'll see on the field. I think some of these grades and judging GMs before you see the product on the field. um, But when they start training camp, uh, assuming some health situations work out and they got the guys they want on the field, they're going to have one of the better, deeper rosters in the NFL. Uh,
1: and, And that speaks to the job the person who constructed the roster did. Being that he's just getting back from a 10-day a, a getaway out in Spain, I, is there a guy that's more deserving you know, than, than Eric DaCosta and the DaCosta family? But, uh, you know, it's funny too, Jeff. You just made me think about the question that was asked during the extension press conference. I don't know who asked it, but they were like, you know, Lamar, what, what did you mean by that trade request? And they wanted to kind of you know rehash some things. You talk about a downplay of all downplays. Oh, he barely even touched that. I was looking I forward to his response.
2: I yeah, I mean, you know, franchise quarterback asking for a trade uh, you know, the funny thing is they got that call, right. Um, they got that call during the scouting combine. So okay, yeah. it did not in surprise, you know, like John Harbaugh didn't expect to be ambushed as he was about to sit down like that, you know, like that was crazy. Like we had a bunch of reporters circle, you know, that coaching breakfast, they put the name tags of the coach. Who's going to talk. There's a set time. And local guys usually get there early to make sure they get seats. And there was some cameras set up because Lamar trade request or not was still a big story, but uh, Jonah Schaefer from the Baltimore banner looks across the table. Like he's seen it. Like he just saw a ghost. He was looking at his phone. He goes, did you just see what Lamar tweeted and Harbaugh literally sat down at that moment. I'm like trying to read it and listen to what he has to say. It was crazy. I, I you know, I like, You know, when people say as soon as it started, it was as soon as it started. Like somebody was texting Lamar Jackson from that room and saying, hey, John's about to talk. There's no way that was an accident. First of all, I thought John, that was probably one of John's finest moments, the way he handled that and didn't uh, didn't blow up. I I remember counting the questions he got on Lamar and it was it was absurd. It was about 90 percent of the, the interview. Uh, yeah, that was kind of surreal. Um, but I don't really, you know, that it came out then took them by surprise. But I don't really think it, you know, the actual trade request wasn't jarring to them because they knew he already made it. And they also knew they had had negotiations since then. And it had pretty become pretty clear that, you know, uh, he wanted to be in Baltimore and there really hadn't been a market that developed him for him outside of, of Baltimore. So I think that made it easy for kind of both sides to kind of, once stuff cal- calmed down and the Ravens did other things that I think appealed to Lamar, I, I think that made it easy, um, you know, to finally kind of sit down and-, and hammer it out a deal that worked for both sides. Yeah. I
0: just watched I just watched Air, the story, mm-hmm. just the story of like how Nike, you know, lands uh, Michael Jordan. For sure, I would like to see this movie of how the lamar and the ravens i mean even the way they used the tag i thought for sure it was going to be you know an exclusive i mean an exclusive tag i just think that the whole process was absolutely fascinating yeah. and i want to read the book and watch the movie someday And i'm sure you could be a key point to yeah to be behind that there, Jack, i want to you know, i don't i hope
2: moment. he doesn't get mad at me you know but i tried to do like an inside story of these negotiations and uh Eric just said, nah, he, he, Eric, you know, he's great with the media, but he passed on that one. And I understand why (laughs) it's, it was between, it was between him and Lamar. Those are really the only two sources who you could talk about it. I'm sure Bashadi too was involved in that, but the two the two focal points of that story are Lamar Jackson, and Eric DaCosta, and neither of them are going to say much about it. So uh, I didn't have much confidence in myself getting to the inside of the story, uh, some of the inside details if they weren't willing to cooperate. But, yeah, uh, I imagine, you know, and Eric was clear. He hopes he doesn't have to go through it ever again. So, yeah.
0: Give it a, give oh, it a yeah. couple years, Jeff. I went back I and when I did Man of the Crowd and I asked Harbaugh about the mutiny with oh, yeah, everybody yeah, yeah. he was a much more open book so try again yeah, in, yeah. In, in a couple of years Seriously, so
1: yeah
0: one, one yeah. thing before we move on from wide receivers I know you talked a lot about OBJ I feel like I keep hearing a lot about Nelson Aguilar how do you see the whole group if everybody's healthy how do you see the whole group kind of meshing together what's like the depth chart what's the pecking order can you give us a look into that
2: yeah that's a good question you know like This is the time of year, right, where we talk about, you know, starting position competitions, um, you know, left guard and stuff. So everyone wants to know wide receiver. And I don't really even include that just because I think all the guys are going to get their snaps. Right. Uh, Well, I mean, all of them, I say, you know, those I think you look at the top five guys and, and, and you see, you know, Odell Beckham, just his status as veteran. You know, where has he been? Um, Then you go to Bateman and and, and then, you know, I I think, um, you know, you have Zay Flowers there. You know, I I think if you start the season with Beckham and Bateman on the outside and Zay Flowers on the inside and then you have Mark Andrews, you know, that's that's pretty nice. You know, that's pretty nice. But I don't think Duvernay is going to be a forgotten man. I don't think Aguilar is going to be a forgotten, man. I, I I think especially early, I, I you're not going to, I don't see, you know, any of these guys being like a hundred percent, 90% snap guys. I think all of them will play. All of them will get their chance. Obviously as the season goes on, there'll be guys banged up. I think some guys will sort of emerge as more go-to guys. Others may not, you know, every year we see guys kind of uh, not get the touches that they thought they were going to get and kind of go the other way. But those five, I think they're all going to kind of get opportunities. You know, the three, you know, Bateman, uh, Bateman, um, um, Flowers, and uh, Beckham as the front three there, and then the other two. And, and look, we'll see what happens in that sixth spot. Can Prochet, uh, Tylon Wallace is a rookie like Dante Dimas? Um, uh, can Laquan Treadwell figure something out? It's cool. It's a great competition, but, you know, I think there'll be a pretty steady rotation throughout where they don't lean on anybody far too much. Um, And, and, you know, we'll just see, you have to see who, you know, who emerges and and who Jackson's most comfortable throwing the ball to, but there's no question they should get some advantageous matchups uh, for certain guys. And, you know, Mark Andrews shouldn't be covered, you know, with a two or three man blanket every game, like we've seen, you know, in recent years
1: yeah jeff we want to be respectful of your time are you okay for one or two more absolutely yeah no problem guys Okay, cool thank you thank you we, you know I mean, you, we, we agreed on 30 minutes and here we are coming up on 42. I mean, this is, I thought it's the dead of off season, right? There's nothing to talk about. <laughs> Clearly there is. And, and we, we appreciate your time. But, um, and needless to say, I wanted to say a minute ago, throughout the entire Lamar process, you were exceptional, thorough and and reliable. And we used you often on here. So, you know, speak for Ravens nation in the sense that, you know, we all we all appreciate the, the diligent work that you do. But uh, I wanted, to, Sarah, you want to talk about Dobbins in a second here. I kind of wanted to follow up on on Bateman because it's not all that long ago. Not to continue to go cut of the dramatics here, but it wasn't all that long ago that it was a crazy week at the Combine. The NFL PA-led survey comes out. Bateman takes to Twitter, oh. right? He goes after. He doesn't go after anybody specifically, but it's essentially in response to, well, actually, I guess it really was at Eric after Eric, the comments yeah. that he made at the Combine. Yeah, and and then he, I mean, you you know, without mentioning specifically, kind of got after Steve Saunders, you know, the since dismissed strength and conditioning director. So uh, do, do you just get the sense that, you know, ahead of year three, uh, really, at the top of his priority list, I would imagine, has to be health, and they're being really careful with him, with the cortisone shot and holding him out of mini camp and whatnot. But has that drama blown over between him and and the org? Yeah, you know, I, I think so, and and it's funny that
2: that that tweet and that whole thing is kind of forgotten, but that's, that's another thing that points to what we were saying earlier, where, you know, like what I was saying about worst off season in Ravens history, how that was shaping up the, uh, you know, it didn't feel overblown at the time, just because there was just kind of fires popping up everywhere. Um, yeah. You know, I, I know Rashad Bateman, not participating in um, mandatory minicamp got some people on tilt right uh you know it's triggered the reaction the, the brashad perryman stuff which is completely unfair but i digress um but look he had lis frank lis frank surgery I, I don't did anyone really expect like i don't was he expectation? was the expectation that he was gonna be on the field in otas in minicamp after having Liz, Liz frank surgery i say it all the time jimmy smith great dude one of my favorite ravens i've ever covered had every injury under the sun. You you could do one of those anatomy charts with Jimmy and point to did this and put the date on it. And he admits it. And he said, Les Frank was the hardest thing he had to go through out of any. And he tore an Achilles. He messed up his back, knee, shoulder. And he said, you know, this was when he was retired and he said, there's still times where I'm getting out of bed and I still feel it. That's a significant injury. And I'm not saying that to say, well, we should be concerned about Rashad Bateman going forward. I, I think it is something to watch for sure. I mean, he's not just coming back from some run of the mill injury. Um But again, my point there is why was it expected that he was going to be on the field in mandatory minicamp? And why would you even want that for, for sure? You know, he was out there watching every practice in the huddle. He was involved. I know he was ahead of the pace and he did some stuff in minicamp where I think then when you come with the Les Frank, and he's not participating a couple weeks later, that was viewed as a setback and he needed the cortisone shot to get going because he got the, you, you know, the screw out of his foot. I get all that. Um, everything I've heard has been positive. I, I, I know I was I was surprised at that tweet uh, i didn't think it was a good look at all um that stuff could you know I, I don't blame him for being frustrated but that stuff could easily be handled i didn't find eric da quote particularly offensive i think he was taking more of a shot at himself and it was self-deprecating but again i i can't tell another player how to feel and and i think after that and the beckham signing you know he, he worked out with odell beckham Again, I think things were pointing up for him. I don't think he's a guy you need to see on the field every day of training camp. I think you do, You are gradual with him because he's coming off a major injury. Um, but, but you know, it sounded like they really liked where he was at. And, and they really, you know, feel like he, he can have a real good breakout year this year. I mean, you know, we haven't seen too many players – do what he did against the dolphins or he took that slant to the house. I mean, he has, we've seen him flash. We saw the circus catch in Cleveland uh, when they were trying to come back a couple of years ago, you know, we didn't see it from Brashad Perryman barely at all. Um, so, and I like Brashad Perryman. I, I think he got a bad rap. He just couldn't stay on the field and then he lost his confidence. That's what happens. But um, from a standpoint of, You know, I I think there's a lot to like about Rashad Bateman going forward. You just have to hope he stays healthy, and and, and they have a part in that, right? Um, You know, not pushing him and gradually building him up so he's ready for September. Uh, I don't particularly need to see him every day on the field of training camp, to be honest.
0: I'm sure Bobby will be right back with us. He sometimes freezes there. He'll be right back in. But I can't tell the fans how to feel either, just like, you know, you said you can't tell – players had to feel but i hope fans get behind like cheering him on because if this ravens offense has an obj has a mark andrews has all these guys and then rashad becomes what we all hoped he would become as a first rounder like that's just going to take the offense to a whole whole other level where people are like oh we can't just double team obj because we gotta watch out for this guy um switching gears a little bit with jk dobbins um he did not confirm. I know there was some like miscommunication when he was on on WJZ and whether or not he confirmed whether he didn't play it mandatory because of his contract. But you know, my reading the situation, that's probably what was going on. Yeah. Ian Rappaport said it was basically an, a hold in when he was on with us. Do you? So it's obvious they're 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 talking. They're negotiating. They're talking contracts. What is it? Do you know what he's looking for? Like, what does he want? What the Ravens are not giving?
2: I think part of the stand, the, the, you know, the reservation is the fact that, you know, he's, I believe he's what the third highest paid running back in, in his position room. Right. I guess Edwards is making more than him. Justice Hill, I believe is making more than them. So I think that's part of it. Um, You know, but again, what, that's also the nature of a rookie contract. I mean, that's how it works. I mean, that's how rookie contracts work. Without any question, he there's been source of frustration with him on a couple things that he was on the field in the preseason when he tore his ACL. Some of the decision not to get the ball in certain spots, um, not, you know, what is his? I think it's 18 carries is his career high in a game. And that's only once and not getting the ball. He feels like he's being held back. And, um, you know, there was some difference of opinion with the injury last year and, and getting the the scope uh, where he eventually came back from. So I think all that stuff's building. And, and then you throw that with his contract situation um, this year, kind of being a lame duck guy, you know, their number two and number three running back, making more money than him. And, and that just kind of all added to it. I, I don't want to speak for JK Dobbins. I, I do think the Ravens would be willing to talk about kind of a short term deal right? Um, I don't think, you know, but I don't blame the Ravens here. I, I think you, you still need to see where he is. Uh, last year, he didn't look hell. I mean, J.K. was the first to admit he didn't have that final gear that he's going to need to have to, you know, J.K. Dobbins, a healthy J.K. Dobbins wouldn't have gotten caught from behind like he did a couple times last year. It was understandable. I mean, he played his butt off. He played hard. He broke tackles. Uh, you know, you know, even some, you know, you look at you know, the one catch he made in the flat against the Bengals in the playoff game and what he turned that into. He played so hard, uh, but he just wasn't 100 percent. He did, You know, and I don't blame the Ravens for wanting to see more before they, you know, invest. It, it's not the Ravens fault, really, what the running back market has become. Um And, uh, you know, so they have to operate under that. It's not easy to be a running back, but I think it's a frustrating thing when you add all that stuff up for JK and where he is. And, you know, I kind of wrote this, but um, there was some frustration with Patrick Queen too this off season. And I think when he realized his best chance to get a big payday was to play his butt off and have the best season of his career – He's in a great situation to do that with arguably the best middle linebacker of football next to him, a defense that knows a defensive coordinator and a defense that knows how to play to Patrick Queen's strengths. He looks great. Um, I think he's in great position to make himself some money this year. You know, you never know about health and all that, but uh, I think JK is probably going to come to that same realization that, you know, my best just go out there. Uh, I think, You know, let's hope they've heeded his advice from that after that playoff game and get him the ball in key situations. He's one of their top playmakers. And I think if they do that and J.K. stays healthy, he's going to have a really, really good year. Munkin loves throwing to his backs. I think that'll give J.K. an, an opportunity to showcase more of his game. I think things are definitely looking up there. But yeah, J.K.'s an emotional guy. and There's no doubt there's some kind of frustration that's been building over the last couple of years that I think we've seen on display, you know, in the last, uh, seven, eight months and in a couple instances where it's on Twitter in the locker room after games,
1: Jeff, this was awesome. I mean, we kept you way past well, the time that we agreed to. So it's, it's much appreciated. Uh, we wanted to give you a chance to plug anything you have coming up. Uh, of course, camp's about a month away. We know, and uh, you can be found on found and followed on Twitter at Jeff Zarebeck. What else you got?
2: Yeah, we, um, You know, I'm I guess I'm pseudo taking vacation, but I'm also trying to write while I'm on vacation just because I'm real sensitive that people pay for your stuff. And I hate the feeling that. They would pay, you know, and then go to the athletic and not see anything for like a week at a time. So I'm still trying to to do some stuff, you know, um, you know. I did a Kyle Hamilton Q and A uh, today. I, you know, I'm doing some other stuff in the next couple of weeks. So I'll keep it running. And we also have a great deal going. We have a dollar a month uh, subscription rate going, where it's uh, you know, so twelve dollars a year. So uh, that's great at the athletic. And and you know, I know we've had some layoffs there and there's been a lot of questions but i'm not going anywhere i can't wait for training camp um and uh you know i'll still be doing the training camp rails that people love with the observations and all that so now's a good time to get on board uh, at a good rate if you want to read that but always enjoy talking to you guys uh i'm sure there'll be time in, in training camp we can get together and uh talk about who looks good who doesn't and
1: some of the roster
2: competitions
1: and all okay. that Heck yeah, uh, we co signed that. We're looking at a couple subscribers right here. You know, we, we got <laughs> yeah. you. So, Appreciate we- that.
0: well, I was just about to say, uh, I'm sure you just made Ravens fans' day by saying you're sticking ba- back uh, <laughs> or sticking with the Athletic, and they're sticking with you. Bobby tweeted this the other day, and I just want to co-sign it for 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 journalists that are, you know, it's 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 tough. It's a tough business to keep a job. It's tough to keep keep moving. It's tough to make money. I am personally shocked at how wonderful being an independent reporter and independent content yeah. creator has been. So for any of those that, that don't stick with the athletic or whatever, I highly recommend this lifestyle. It's a great lifestyle. You can make a living at it. So just a shout out to those that may be, you know, I'm, you know, not feeling so good after, after losing jobs, there's definitely a space for, for independent journalism.
2: Yeah. There's just more options nowadays. And that's great for journalism. It it really is. And, um, you know, there'd be times in the past where you'd say, you know, like, you live with this so long in this in this industry right you know it's just been you live with the fear knowing what's come of newspapers i was at the baltimore sun for a long time and there's a perennial fear of layoffs and you know when i joined the athletic and they were still very young and you know all about startups and you know that's just something you live with and and in the past there'd be a thought of what am i going to do if i get that phone call and You know, I think it's great. I think there's a lot more options now. I think there's a lot of people doing very creative things that add to, you know, that add to the coverage of the team and the attention and
1: the popularity of teams. And you know, I just think it's wonderful. What's always a requirement is, is the beat, you know, the beat guys and gals. Without you guys, we, we can't really create, you know, so it's really what we do is an extension of what you guys start. So we, we really appreciate your consistency, uh, your commitment and, and your willingness to come on the vault today, Jeff.
2: All right. Thanks, guys. Have a great rest of the summer. I always enjoy talking to you.